over here. All right, that's perfect. That's perfect. Well, I'm a little bit late, a little bit late, but am I stopped? No. I was on the other side of the island at Santorini doing a little uh, shopping, having a little lunch, and uh, my internet connection died and I couldn't get it back. But now, but now, it's all coming together, isn't it? <laughs> the best time of the day, slightly delayed, but still here. And uh, suppose you wanted to enjoy it to its maximum extent. What would that take? Yeah, that's right. What you needed would be a cup or a mug or glass, a tanker, chalice, stein, a canteen, jug, a flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure, the dopamine here of the day, the thing that makes everything better. Oh, Rhonda. <laughs> You're so nice. It's called the simultaneous sip, and it's going to happen now. Oh, yeah. So good. So good. Well, I might be a little bit unprepared today because this, this vacation thing is very, uh, it's addictive. I don't know if you've ever taken a vacation. I, I'm not big on them. But lately I've been trying to get into this whole vacation-y thing. And I've always had this theory that if I took a vacation, well, maybe it's more of a, more of a fear or a phobia than a, than a theory, that if I took too much time off, I would never be able to do my job again. Because <laughs> if you're a cartoonist, there's a very thin line between something that you know really makes an impact and something that people just go, eh, well, yeah, that was nice. And I feel that extra 5% is the difference between you know something that works and something that doesn't. And I feel like I lose 5% if I take a vacation. So I've always thought I'd try to build a life where the vacation is already built into the life. Meaning that every day, I've got a whole bunch of good things happening, but I worked also. And that's why I work seven days a week, uh, because I don't like to take a day off. <laughs> I think if I take a day off, I won't be as sharp when I come back. And by the way, it's true. You know, it's not, it's not based on nonsense. I actually do lose some sharpness if I don't do something pretty active every day. And uh, I feel as though I'm pushing back age because you've noticed that I, I, do, uh, I do a lot of tightrope walking on a lot of different topics and do a lot of different stuff. And uh, I think the net effect of it is keeps my brain a little bit younger. At least that's what I'm telling myself. So why don't we look at what's happening? I'm not sure this is like a, a big old news day. Well, let's see if there's anything interesting, all right? So let's see. We've got uh, a couple stories. Uh, Tom Cotton is getting on Apple for, uh, I guess they were lobbying against an anti-slavery bill <laughs> in China. Must have been a bill uh, condemning, I don't know, condemning China for the Uyghur Holocaust that's going on there. Um, and... Uh, so I guess Apple was against uh, the antitrust, so against anything that's against the big platforms, but also against uh, anti-slavery bills. So that's not a good look. Uh, did you see the video of the uh, Chinese fellow? Yeah, he was talking about the uh, Wuhan lab 
And uh, he says that the Wuhan lab should be given the, uh, the, the Nobel Prize in medicine because they, I guess they sequenced or found the coronavirus first. Hmm. Yes, uh, the Wuhan lab did find the coronavirus first. That's probably a fact, uh, but uh, hmm. I don't know if that's quite Nobel Prize material because they may have caused it. How many people think that the virus was natural in the comments? Show, show me, how many think it was natural? Just, just coincidentally, as John Stewart uh, famously said, that it came when a, a bat kissed a turtle. Is there anybody left who believes that? Now, check your... This is another one of those prediction situations. Now, I always tell you that if you've made a prediction, keep track. See how good you are. It might give you some humility, or it might make you feel good if you're really good at predicting. I don't, I'm not sure anybody's really good at predicting. We don't live in a predictable world. Uh, but if I recall, and maybe you can fact-check me on this, I'm pretty sure my first statements about this were, that's a mighty big coincidence. Yeah, but maybe, maybe, but it's a mighty big coincidence that that lab is there. Um, and uh, I will tell you that, you know, in a, in a non-public way, uh, I saw some information early that would suggest it was definitely a lab, but uh, that's stuff that you all know at this point. Yes, I did see the John Stewart clip, and it was hilarious. We, we miss him. He needs to come back. All right. Um, so this is kind of funny. Elon Musk tweeted a picture of two of his rockets, uh, I guess getting staged for liftoff. And have you seen these things, his rockets? Because they don't look like, you know, the old kind of rockets. They're, they're kind of fatter, and they're all metal like a, you know, a proper sci-fi movie uh, should be. And they, they don't even look real because they're so big that it doesn't, your brain can't say, no, there can't be something that big that looks like that. It could either look like that and be small or it could be really big, but it wouldn't look like that. But somehow he made it look like that and really big. But here's the, uh, the funny thing I realized. In all likelihood, Elon Musk will put a man on Mars. Would you agree? I mean, he's young enough. uh, He's doing all the right stuff. There's going to be some mishaps, and he said the same thing. But I think he's young enough that he's going to put somebody on Mars. And here's the funny part. It will be one of the greatest human achievements. You know, we're fingers crossed. Everybody's rooting for him. Uh, it's one of the few things probably everybody's in favor of, right? There, there's nobody who doesn't want to put a, a person on Mars. Let's, let's not say a man on Mars, okay? Let's say a person on Mars. And when that happens, 30% of the public will think it was staged in a studio. <laughs> now, how would that feel if you were just, you know, thinking forward and imagine that uh, Elon actually manages to put somebody on Mars? I think it's going to happen. 30% of the world will say that didn't happen. Yeah, now that, that's just Photoshop and clever editing. And uh, yeah, that it was probably in Arizona. 
Yeah. So, uh, I guess Joy Reid um, thinks that people don't want to teach critical race theory in schools because they don't want children to know the accurate history of this country. What? <laughs> Is there anybody in the world who doesn't want uh, children to learn the accurate history of the, of the country? Including slavery, of course. You know, what? Well, certainly, you could argue one of the two or three most important things in the country, you know, depending on how you want to measure things. Or there's a pretty good argument it's the number one most important thing that sort of defines us where we are at this moment. You know, I guess the Revolutionary War would be, you know, maybe number one. But uh, do you think there are people, you, I think uh, Joel Pollack made this point in a tweet, uh, do you think there's even one person who fits the description of somebody who wants to get rid of critical race theory because they don't want accurate history taught to children? Most of our politics is about imaginary people. Have you noticed that? It's about things that people might do in the future, but you don't know. So those are imaginary people, because the future is imaginary, right? Until it happens, it's imaginary. Then you've got your fake news about the things that people were doing that didn't really happen. So you've got imaginary people in the past, you've got imaginary people in the future, because that's the only kind you have, and then you have the present, where you have our political pundits describing people who don't exist, not even any one person, and then making an entire impassioned plea criticizing those imaginary people. Most of politics is imaginary people. Oh, don't get me started about <laughs> about the election integrity, which was perfect, by the way. In case anybody's watching. It was perfect. There were no irregularities. Ivermectin is bad. Ivermectin is bad. Okay. All right. You never know who's listening, really. Um, so let's see. What else is going on here? Well, we've got... Uh... <laughs> oh, this was, it was Don Lemon who said that. I'm sorry. I had my stories wrong. It was Don Lemon who uh, said that we're trying to whitewash racism and not teach, teach it in schools. So I got that story wrong. This is what happens when you're not prepared. <laughs> uh, so Matt Gates shared some threatening texts that were going to people he knows, and apparently uh, some reporters, or at least one in particular, is getting pretty aggressive about sort of subtly... Um, I don't want to use the word threaten, but let's say rattle the cage, put a little uh, psychological pressure on him to come up with some dirt on Matt Gates. And what a world we live in, that people who don't have dirt are being pressured to come up with some or else they'll be in trouble with the press. The press is a little bit too strong, isn't it? So that's pretty cringy. Um, let's take a look at uh, what's happening over on Fox News. I looked at CNN, nothing's happening over there. <laughs> they didn't, CNN didn't have any news today. 
<laughs> the, the most interesting thing uh, in the news today is that guy who got swallowed by a whale and then, and then spit back out and he was okay. Uh, there were some doubts about whether that was a real story. I don't know. I'm not going to start a religion around it, but I'm close. I mean, he did get swallowed by a giant whale, and he did get spit out, apparently. Apparently, he did get spit out and lived. So I might start a religion around that. You know, I'm, I'm pro-religion. I just don't have one. So we need, a, we need one that I can, uh, I can enjoy. Now, <laughs> uh, apparently Fauci admitted that scientists acknowledged the COVID-19 could be lab-invented illness in early 2020. But didn't everybody? I feel like everybody knew it could have been, didn't they? Or, you know, I don't, I don't think it ever got ruled out in any kind of, you know, rigorous way. Yeah, since, since my live stream today is, is frankly terrible, because I'm not prepared, uh, I'm glad that you're stepping up in the comments. So if you replay this, you might want to turn on the comments so you can see them the way they happened. Um, wow. So the Democrats are really all in on this critical race theory. And I'm a little bit glad about it. Are you? Is there anybody here who thinks critical race theory is going to be a problem? (laughs) You you know what's going to happen, right? The people who might have taken their kids out of public school and put them in a private school is always a reasonably big number. But the number of people who will do it if critical race theory becomes uh, part of the, the public school curriculum People are going to be desperate. People are going to cash in their their IRAs and their you know SEPs and stuff. I feel like people are going to open their wallets to get their kids out of a public school if they're if they're teaching racism, teaching kids to be racist. Uh, I think I'd pull my kid out of there right away. Uh, and I don't know what's happening in California on that, but um, yeah, I, I think it's going to spark a homeschool surge, then maybe the the genie can never be put back in the bottle. The teachers' unions have figured out how to do everything wrong. It's it's like the teachers' unions either feel they have too much power, uh, so they can do anything they want, or they don't know that they're they're getting ready for their own demise by by just going too far, basically. Just going too far. of course, Biden uh, revealed the, the 16 most valuable infrastructure tar- targets for Putin <laughs> and said, please don't attack these things. These are our most important ones. <laughs> I honestly can't think of anything more lame than that. You know, on one hand, it does kind of make sense that you know, we have certain things that we say, okay, if you, if you attack these things, it's basically war. So maybe that would have been a better way to say it. Uh, let, let me put it this way. If, if we think that Russia attacks any of our top infrastructure, and let's say you name all 16, you could say that is equivalent to an armed conflict because they would be that important to the integrity of the country. Now, if he told them that, well, that wouldn't be bad, right? Here are 16 things which will cause a shooting war. 
as far as you know, and maybe we wouldn't, but we say, if you touch any one of these things and we find your fingerprints on them, that's a real war. That, that's not playing around anymore. These 16 are real war. Just know that. There's no ambiguity. It's just like a nuclear attack. These 16, real war. And, and every, every weapon is in play. Now, realistically, we're not going to you know, start bombing Russia, but we might get pretty darn aggressive, and aggressive could take many forms, and it could take some pretty bad ones. Uh, so who knows? But if, it, uh, if there was a good threat behind it, maybe it wasn't as bad as it looks. Um, <laughs> I'm just reading the headlines here at Fox. Did Biden actually start to call Putin President Trump? He probably did. But again, how many of you have said president and then you were going to say some other president and you ended up saying Trump, not Trump, because he's just you know, in your head all the time? Here's a question for you. How important is January 6th to Democrats? It's really important, and here's why. Think about the, uh, the biggest complaint about Trump that felt somewhat real, right? Now, he was always called a racist, blah, 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 but um, we didn't see you know, anything that looked like rounding up anybody for concentration camps, so it didn't get nearly as bad as what anybody thought, and actually he was pro-LGBTQ, pro-black Americans, he just got branded the other way. But the biggest issue with Trump, I would say, is that people said he wasn't honest, that he lied, wouldn't you say? Biden made a big deal about that. That and the imaginary people, the, the fine people hoax. <laughs> so you know, Biden, Biden's entire reason for running was Trump doesn't tell the truth, and then some things he imagined that happened that didn't. So what if we realized that Trump had uh, failed the fact-checking for four years straight, which even his supporters would say, oh, yeah, he, he did fail some fact-checking. But what if none of it mattered? What if <laughs> it was just one of the things that made him more interesting? Because Trump had this weird quality which is that he was the best promise keeper we've ever seen, right? When he said he would do something, he tried like hell to do it. Now, you could argue he didn't get the wall done. That would be fair. But did he try like hell to do it? Yeah, like he tried like hell, still trying. He's still running for president, as far as we can tell, right? He hasn't given up yet. So did he do what he promised to do? He tried like hell, and he, did, he got a lot of it done. All right? So I don't think anybody's ever been more faithful to the voters, period. I don't think anybody's been close. But part of his style is the hyperbole, the exaggeration, the salesmanship, you know, all that. And in that realm, he didn't really care too much about the facts, we assume, because he didn't, didn't seem to adhere to them in any rigorous fashion. But what did it matter? Name something that made a difference. January 6th, right? <laughs> if they didn't have January 6th, literally the last thing that happened, they didn't have one example 
unless, unless somebody can come up with one. Yeah, I'd like to be proven wrong about this point. I don't think anybody could have come up with an example after four years of allegedly lying that any of it mattered except, wait for it, here's the payoff. None of that lying mattered except it's what made him so interesting that everybody else disappeared. As a technique, it was great. <laughs> it bothered you, and that's why you watched him. You thought he might lie again. That's why you watched him. We, we said it was an actual lie or just an exaggeration or maybe it was true in a way, and it was interesting. He, he has a, a talent for being interesting, and he seems to favor that over the niceties that other people would think would be more important. And he just stays the most interesting person in the world, literally the most interesting person in the world, and it helps him politically, gives him all kinds of power. So if they didn't have January 6th and say, Trump, you lied about the election, the big lie, right? Notice that the big lie is branded the big lie. It's not branded, I don't know, you could come up with 100 different labels for it, but it's the big lie because they finally found something they could sell as a consequence of his lying, or let's say not passing the fact-checking. If they didn't have January 6th, they wouldn't have one example, unless, and again, if I'm wrong, if you can give me another example of where it might have mattered that he said something that wasn't technically true, I don't think he could come up with one. And the big lie... We don't know if he's wrong yet. <laughs> we don't know. My understanding is the Arizona audit has uh, some surprises for you. So one of the insiders for the Arizona audit says that we're going to see something that uh, will be interesting. Don't know what that is, and I'm going to bet against it changing the election. Uh, I think that's an easy bet, but it might be interesting. And it might tell us something we didn't know, and it might, might change your idea of who is right and who is wrong, but we're going to hold off on that. My guess is there's not much there. So if you want my prediction, uh, I don't think the audit's going to find enough to overturn an election. And even if it found a lot, it wouldn't overturn the election. You know, it's, too, it's too late. Um, but that's, that's uh, where that's at. All right. Um, I guess Kamala Harris still hasn't been to the border. Somebody said that Trump was going to go to the border. Is that, is that true? Is that still on? Um, he said, Syria used chemical weapons on his own people. Did it matter? Yeah, the, the question is whether any of it mattered. I'm not, I'm not telling you that he passed the fact-checking all the time. Yeah, we all agree on that point. Um, oh, yes, so he's going there. He was invited by Governor Abbott. Well, I do love the uh, Republican governors, uh, you know, taking it up in Arizona and I guess Texas and Florida is going to be helping those guys. Uh, so that means everybody's going to come to my state. So uh, raise your plans, people. I guess California is where they're all coming. Uh, California's getting ready to catch on fire. It's 100 degrees. Air conditioning is breaking everywhere. 
and the kindling in our forest is getting ready to blow up. So do you feel that things are poorly managed when we have a zillion people not working and nobody's cleaning up the, you know, the, the low brush and debris that's in the forest? I feel like we got the labor to do that. Uh, yeah, we got fires and we got no water. All right. So, um, all right, that's about all I got because there's not much happening in the news. Does anybody have anything interesting? Let me, let me give you a, while you're typing, let me give you a little update on masks in Greece, where I am. So I'm in uh, Santorini. It's a total uh, um, touristy place, so their economy pretty much is just based on tourists. Check out Henry George's work, uh, Land Value Tax. Hmm, interesting. Never heard of that. Um, here's what you need to know. So there, the law in Greek is that over here you have to wear a mask, um, and I think uh, anywhere there are people or something. But the locals were very masked up, and at the hotel I'm at, they're, they're all ma- completely masked. But we went to a neighboring town, and... Uh, the rules are quite different. <laughs> there were close to zero tourists wearing masks. And it, when you went into any of the many, many shops, um, nobody asked me to put a mask on. Oh, actually once. Only one shop asked me to put a mask on. And, you know, I'm in their country, so I put a mask on, right? If it were America, depending on the situation, I might push back. But uh, it's their country. So I'm gonna, you know, I'm not gonna be that guy. Um, so here's the thing you can learn from it, and I've said this before: in an emergency, when the emergency starts, the government's in charge, and you kind of want that because you don't want everybody just running around and trying to do their own thing. But once the emergency reaches the, you know, the end zone, and we're getting close to the end of this pandemic, fingers crossed. The government isn't the right um, engine for that. It's got to be the people. And the people will express their will through economics. And let me tell you, there was not one shopkeeper in, uh, in this island who wanted to lose a sale after being closed for however long they've been closed. They've been basically starving to death here. Um, I don't know if it's literally starving, but they've been struggling. Um, and they were not going to lose a sale. No, no small business here was going to turn a tourist away. If, if you had a wallet, you could shop. <laughs> and I think that's the lesson. The lesson is economics will become the new government, right? The laws of economics will determine what's open and when. Thank you, Derek. That is beyond generous. I appreciate that. Um, Oh, yeah, the, the uh, Tucker Carlson question about why were there so many FBI agents seemingly connected to various domestic terror problems. Well, it makes sense that they would be penetrated. So it always makes sense that they would be around that. Um, <laughs> Ryan, that's a good idea. A closing simultaneous sip. Something that just brings it all together. Um, 
Dr. Funkjuice, I, I just noticed that you sent me a message, but I didn't open it yet. I'm going to open it right now while you're watching. Send me a link. Uh, oh, a story about... The, okay, I won't read this out loud until I... Ah, uh, uh, oh, it's great. And happy birthday. Hey, everybody, say uh, happy birthday to Dr. Funkjuice, who's in the house. Uh, happy birthday to you, 33 years old, and uh, we appreciate you greatly. So I would like to dedicate this closing simultaneous sip uh, to Dr. Funkjuice, whose birthday is today, and the good Dr. Funkjuice, happy birthday to you. Good stuff. Um, yes, I, as some of you know, I did catch up with Dr. Drew and his wife, and Christine and I had a lovely time with them, and uh, it was just insanely fun, just hanging out and eating and chatting, and uh, the, they are so interesting. It's just crazy. Um, all right. I don't think I've got anything else left for you. Anybody else got anything? Sometimes it's just fun to catch up. Tomorrow, maybe I'll actually have some content, but it kind of depends on the news, right? News has to step up. Um, Mike says, I changed your life. How did I do that, Mike? You know, one of the, uh, one of the strange elements of what I do at this part of my life is that it, you have sort of the, the Spider-Man problem, that with, you know, with power comes responsibility. And uh, when people tell me that I've changed their lives, which I hear every day, by the way, literally every day, not a joke, every day, somebody messages me or tweets and says, you know, I lost 40 pounds, I got a new job, I doubled my income. And uh, most of them are crediting me for usually my book, How to Fail Almost Everything and Still Win Big. And... It's kind of a, um, it's great, but it's also a, a prison, but one that I would willingly go into, meaning that uh, if you can help people and you don't, how do you live with that, right? Like it, if people are telling me that I've made a difference in their life in fairly large numbers, how do I, how do I stop doing that, right? I mean, there's, I, I, I can't even imagine that I could stop trying to be helpful anyway, whether I'm successful or not. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Luz. Uh, Juneteenth, what do you think about uh, Congress voting itself a paid holiday? What have I told you about uh, selfishness? Uh, I gave a little lesson on this in the Locals platform. If you were to just assume that the only variable you needed to look at was personal selfishness, how often would it predict what will happen next? Just about all the time. <laughs> and you're going to say to yourself, but wait, there are all kinds of other variables, and, and some people are good people. They're not all acting selfish. They're thinking about other people. Sure, that's true. But what predicts best? And what predicts best is people do what's good for themselves consistently. 
you know, not a hundred percent of the time, maybe, because they might have a different of, difference in opinion of what's good for them. Maybe it's not obvious to you, but it's pretty predictable. And when I heard that Congress was going to vote on whether Congress get, would get a day off with pay, with everybody else who would get the day off, I think government employees, what were the odds that government employees would not vote for a paid holiday for themselves? Pretty low, right? I think it was unanimous, unanimous consent or something. So you didn't have to wonder where that was going to go and, and who exactly wanted to be on record opposing it, right? <laughs> there, there were some people on record opposing it, I think. No, I may be confusing two different things. If it was unanimous consent, there wasn't anybody on record. So I think I'm confusing two different stories. Uh, I have not seen an HBO show called Le- The Leftovers. Um, all right. Just looking at your comments here because I just enjoy hanging out with you. Do I think Andrew Yang has a chance? Well, I don't know what the polls are doing. I, I did not understand he was at the top. Um, isn't there an ex-police chief? I think there's a, a black guy who was a police chief. So it's sort of the perfect demographic, right? If you were going to say to yourself, invent the perfect candidate for New York City right now, it would be a black uh, ex-police chief. That, that would be your perfect New York City candidate. So I wouldn't be surprised if he wins, uh, but to answer your question directly, Andrew Yang has a lot of capability. He has all the capability you need for pretty much any high-level job, um, but he has to get elected first. Um, okay. Just I just read your comment, but I didn't know what to say about it. Have you heard about the Portland police resigning? Yeah. Well, they resigned from the, uh, I guess, the task force or whatever it is that was working on the protests, but they didn't uh, lose their jobs. They just got reassigned. But that was pretty gutsy. So I guess their, one of their members was uh, charged with something, and they did not think that was appropriate, and the, all 50 of them just quit, at least from the task force only. So that's a a pretty good statement. Um, Eric Adams is the name of the New York City police chief candidate. Well, with a name like that, he's halfway elected. (laughs) Thanks, Ian. You are too nice. Is the hotel tracking me? (laughs) Good question. (laughs) Um, I can tell you that the the hotel is definitely tracking Christina because she's, uh, she's Instagrammed um, some photos, so I know they're tracking her. I don't know if the hotel has figured out who I am yet. The, the, one of the great things about uh, my job, back before I was doing the live streaming stuff and the political stuff, uh, I was famous-ish for Dilbert, but people would not necessarily recognize me. So wherever I went, I could be famous and anonymous at the same time. But when I travel with Christina, um, Everybody who sees her thinks she's famous because you look at her and you go, well, you're probably doing something famous. You know, people who look like you are always famous. 
Uh, and they don't look at me. I, I could be in a crowd of 1,000 people, and if Christina is next to me, I'm invisible. You know what I mean, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not being humble. It's just a fact. I'm literally, I just disappear. So I'm like the invisible man. You're walking down the street, and people are like bumping into me because they didn't even see that I'm here. So uh, I feel as if uh, I'm quite anonymous at the moment. Yeah, I'm the hollow man. <laughs> so between that and sunglasses, that's all I need. Nobody knows who I am. Uh, Audrey wants that ability. Well, you have to get a Christina. Doesn't, it doesn't happen on its own. Can you show us her picture? Uh, just go to uh, Instagram or just Google it. And just Google Christina with a K. Uh, last name Basham. B as in boy. A-S-H. M-A-N, and she'll be the first one that pops up. Um, oh, yes, there's a story about a China defector, which I don't believe. So that's one that at least the smart people say, maybe, but apparently one of the common things to do to mess with another country, a rival country, is start a rumor that one of their high-level people is defecting. <laughs> if you wanted to mess with China... What would be a really good way to do it? Figure out who one of their important people is and then start a rumor that he's, he's prepping to defect. And then China has to kill, them, kill that guy themselves. So I think you can get countries to jail or kill their own people if you can successfully start a rumor that that person's getting ready to be a traitor. So when you hear that a high-level person is going to defect, your first thought should be, eh, probably not. If it happens, it happens, and I change my mind. But just in terms of uh, the odds, if you're going to play the odds, don't you think there would be far more rumors of high-level defections? Because you would, you would do that as much as you wanted, right? Because it works. Um, oh, I just... Uh, yeah, right. I just uh, misspelled Christina's name. You're right. B-A-S-H-A-M. Sorry. It's funny, when I was doing it, I felt like there was an extra letter in there as I was saying it, but it wasn't until I saw your comment that I was like, okay, that was an extra letter. Let's get that in there. The fentanyl boss is defecting. I don't know if he was the boss of the fentanyl stuff, but if he was the boss of the fentanyl stuff, uh, we could kill him where he stands, and uh, we would be totally justified in that. In, In country, we could kill him in China, and I think that would be completely justified. Active war, but justified. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. Appreciate it. Um, and how many of you just uh, Googled her? I know you did. Our intelligence agencies don't seem concerned about foreign adversaries. Well, we don't know how... <laughs> we don't know how concerned they are. Yeah, I don't think the... I don't think the high-level defector is really defecting. I think that's a rumor. At least if you play the odds, it would be a rumor. But, you know, 20% maybe. Let's say 10, 20% chance is true. would be pretty exciting. I don't think it's going to change anything. (laughs) Um, 
All right, why don't I buy a yacht and go around the world, somebody says. That's not really my thing. I'm not a yacht kind of a guy. Will your Apple podcasts ever return? Interesting you would ask that because they never went anywhere. So the last time somebody said, where, where is your podcast on Apple, uh, we just looked and it was there. So I feel as if there might have been a, a counterfeit one that maybe got taken off. So look for uh, Real Coffee with Scott Adams. I think that's the name of it on the podcast. And it, it's there. Yeah, and Dax is telling you he listens to it. So I'm pretty sure it's... Uh, yeah, look for Real Coffee with Scott Adams. The real part. If that's missing, I think you end up going to a counterfeit site. Nikki Haley supports the Charlottesville hoax. Oh, so disappointing. So disappointing. Um, Michael asks, did I realize when starting Dilbert that it was funny even to kids with no corporate working experience that applied to anyone who had any exposure to an organization? Well, I found that out fairly quickly. Um, because a lot of kids would email me and, or parents would say, my kid likes it. But it isn't every kid. It's the smart ones. <laughs> if you find a kid who reads Dilbert and is a Dilbert fan, they're the smart ones in the class. They're, they're the ones who are getting the good grades very consistently. So there's, there's something about the comic that appeals to a certain type of person, regardless of age. Uh, email wasn't around then, yes. But um, around 93 is when I started using email. And that was, yeah, several years after I started. You are correct. It's funny, I've been doing this for over 30 years, the cartooning. So five years seems like the beginning, but that's a good correction. Uh, did, I, did I ever hear of Mafalda? I don't know if that is. <laughs> Joshua says, I wrote to you when I was 10. I probably read that. Should people who had COVID get vaccinated, you ask? Well, that's a personal medical decision, so I would not try to influence you on that. I would just say that uh, smart people do. Uh, Smart people do. So that doesn't mean it's right for you, but there are people who have looked into it and said, well, I want the convenience of saying that I'm vaccinated. It's easier to prove that than it is to prove my antibodies, maybe. So just for practical purposes, people are doing it. All right, I think we've said everything we need to say today. And I think I'm going to close this with a closing simultaneous sip. Get your cup or your mug. Go. That's good stuff. I will talk to you tomorrow.